This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon. I'm Leon Davis along with Warren Harper. And you're listening to Altitude Adjustment, the twice a week podcast about people, politics, and professions. It's at 2 p.m. Saturday, March the 5th. Welcome, my friend. How are you today? Hello. Hello. I am well. That is good to hear. So today's show is about uh, Ukraine. This is our second one in a couple of weeks, I guess. Um, or at least uh, in the last month. So um, anything strike you this week in particular about Ukraine that kind of stood out? Because, I mean, you've shared a couple of links with me about um, things going on in Ukraine. And one of them I thought was kind of funny was the Amber, Amber, um, I forgot her last name, the comedian uh, that's got her own show. So, and they and they did a a little thing. So, what 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 has been your takeaway in the past week? Anything that stood out at you? Well, I think for me, it's it's like every day I have to ask myself the question: What's the next step? Because Putin is just more. He's on a straight beeline with his agenda, and if they don't have a uh, a plan that can actually make a real difference. It, there's nothing going to happen. There's, he's just going to take over. And what's going to happen down the line, I think, is what we are going to be looking at. And we don't know what's going to happen in the long... What's the long game? That's what I'm asking. Well, I, I think the long game is to turn Russia into a democracy, to get rid of Vladimir Putin and, and turn Russia into a democracy. Uh, and they want to do the same to China um, because a lot of the conflicts that the United States has gotten into over the past several, you know, 40, 50, 60 years have all been, quote unquote, to uh, plant the seeds of democracy. So so uh-huh. one of the things that I've had, a, a, I've had have caused me to rethink or at least to um, stop and take another look is. American presidents have uh, said, you know, we have to control dictatorships or they will expand. They will um, uh-huh. expand around the country. But the one that's expanding is democracy. So let me let me show you uh, uh, this quick map. Okay. Um, all righty. So all of the blue, all of the blue is NATO countries. Okay. Those are countries that are part of NATO. How you doing, Fred? All of the countries that are in blue are countries that, if they get attacked, NATO, including the United States, will come to their aid with military assistance. Now, that those there's those two gold uh, countries towards about Russia being in red, and then towards the bottom. Uh, the north uh, southwest is Belarus and the Ukraine. Ukraine being the bigger one. Uh-huh. Ukraine, for those people that uh, can't see the map, you'll have to get a, a map of the area, and you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Those people who aren't watching the video portion of the podcast or the video uh, version of the podcast. So you see all of that blue with yeah. Russia being red. And I think, uh, oh, I've forgotten what that is right there. Uh, the other little bitty red. So I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm not quite as up to uh, snuff on um, Uh, geography in this area, but 
Finland and Sweden are um, not committed to NATO, but they're also uh, talking about assisting in sanctions and stuff against Russia because of this aggression. Here's my concern. So, so all of this blue is popping up around Russia. Uh Everything that's said about Russia is about how horrible Putin is as a leader. Now, the Russian people have a right to have the leader that they choose. They have that. They should have that right. They should have it. They should have that right to have the leader of their choice. Now, I don't know of any large scale revolutions. I don't know of any uh, revolutionary wars off the top of my head. I think they have had a revolutionary war, but that was long before Putin, um, where they've tried to remove Putin as their leader. And I get that. So, so that part of the world is growing more and more uh, NATO and, um, and America friendly. Mm-hmm. The Ukraine is talking about they want to join NATO along with all of those other countries uh, in that area. And Putin's like, you know, this is getting to be a little too much. As we talked about the last time, um, Ukraine is only 680 miles from the Russian capital of Moscow. Right. I remember that. Right. So you've got you've got all of this NATO country and we know we know who NATO is. Wh- who's NATO? The North Atlantic Treaty Organization. It's the it's the United States. The United States is NATO. Everybody everybody pays homage to the United States. The United States is everybody always talks about the United States being the leader and lead the world in, you know, all these aspects and peace and uh, wars and all that kind of stuff. So so NATO is the US. So now you got the US showing up in 680 trying to show up 680 miles from Moscow and we expect uh, uh, the leader in that uh, of Russia to just go, "Well, that's okay." I mean, you know, we we can we can understand that uh this is happening that everybody nobody wants to be Russian and live under the Russian rule. Well, that's insane. If the United States was, well, if there were, if there were autocracies and, and dictatorships popping up around the United States, they'd lose their fucking mind. Yeah, you're right. They, they wouldn't like it. That's for sure. And the United States has never met a, since, since world war two, United States has not, met a war that it didn't want to be a part of. United well, States? Go ahead. Times are a little different now. People are kind of like, you know, after Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran, you got people standing back talking about, again, another war. And, you know, considering all the problems we have right here in America, it's there's a little resistance, wouldn't you think? I, I, from the, from the news sources that I've seen mm-hmm. from the clippings that I've seen people that are questioning the war are either on very small platforms with only a few listeners mm-hmm. or they're being ignored by the mainstream. So there aren't a lot of people in the mainstream that I've seen and everyone in the mainstream that has questioned the definition of um, Putin as a beast are quickly pounced upon by everyone else as unpatriotic, as sympathetic to a dictatorship. This, we've seen this playbook. Right. We've seen this playbook. And so my what concern- does that tell you? Huh? What does that tell you about the media? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, yeah. but I always have a concern when 
people do not want to look critically at something. They just want you to accept it. So, so you can't ask questions about Putin. You can't be ambivalent. You can't be not knowledgeable. They've told you he's a dictator. And if you say anything besides the fact that he's a brutal, vicious dictator, if you say he's a smart man, mm-hmm. he could be a smart man and a dictator. True. You don't That's have, true. you know, dict- being a dictator doesn't mean you have to be stupid. But if you say he's a smart man, then you're a Putin sympathizer. Right, right. And, and the idea isn't, uh, it isn't dialogue. It's capitulation. They want to do something and they need everybody to make sure that they're all on the same page, that Putin is a brutal, evil, vicious man that needs to be stopped. Now, where else have you heard that? Hmm. Where else have we heard that story? That was the whole reason we went into Iraq. Saddam Hussein. We have, we have satellites that can read uh, uh, an automobile's license plate, but they couldn't identify a nuclear warhead because we went in based on uh, intel that there were weapons of mass destruction and nobody found any. So right. somehow they they dumped tons of nuclear weaponry between the time that the satellite images were taken and the United States military landed boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so who took the fall for that? Was Nobody took the fall. A lot of people try to blame Powell. They tried to blame Powell. Mm-hmm. They tried to blame um, Condi Rice. They tried to blame Bush. They tried to blame, uh, who was this? Um, okay, so his name slips me, and, and even his title slips me. But there was, you know, an advisor um, that, that they wanted to say, you know, you know, you're giving false information, but we went right. into Iraq on completely false information. Um, and, and I ran across these numbers and civilian deaths. Okay. In Iraq was between 185,000, and 209,000 people. Non-military combatants or non non yeah, non-military personnel people, just civilians, that uh-huh. died in our invasion. Do you remember seeing anything about um the the humanitarian crisis when the United States decided to go into Iraq? I don't remember about that area about that time period. What what was really going on? Because it just seems like every other day there's something going on in the Middle East that they have to uh, stay over there and stop them. Well, I just don't. I, every day I see every every day every day I I run past articles where um, you know these students are trapped and killed, um, Russians killed babies, you know, all of this emotional stuff to get people behind doing something to Russia, how to, to show how horrible Russia is. But when we went into Iraq and 185 to 209,000 Iraqis died, there wasn't that same, oh, this is such a horrible humanitarian thing. In fact, they were willing to stay there forever. Afghanistan, 50,000, 45,000, 46,000. 46,319 people died. They didn't want to leave Afghanistan <laughs> because they're not showing that, that little kids were dying. But they need to show people little kids dying and innocent people dying 
so that we can do these horrible things to stop Vladimir Putin and Russia. Well, do you think um, Putin is going to stop after um, he's gone this far? That's that's the real question I'm wondering. Okay. So a military effort takes a toll. Yeah. Okay. So so Russia's going to take a toll. It's going to take a toll on Russia. Just like it took a toll on us, you know, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Syria. At this particular point, I I Russian Russia and Russian sympathizers I don't see as having the military might to start pushing through a bunch of countries without resistance without having to be without having to stop uh-huh. right so if, if Russia continues to try to push west um, they they're meeting a bunch of NATO countries and the United States is going to get involved and Europe is going to get involved, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's, it's going to be a long protracted thing. And I seriously doubt uh, Putin's going to conquer that region. Well, do you think I was just mainly focusing on uh, Ukraine right now? I, I understand. Mean, it's obvious he's taken over that. So at this point, he takes over Ukraine. Everything goes over to Russia. Do we do we keep the sanctions? Do we back off? Or is it still um, high alert for further conflict? Or do we leave them alone? Okay, so, so to answer that question, I'm going to say, I think it depends on how things shake out. <laughs> Fred, Fred says he found his old uniform. He's ready. <laughs> okay, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> for those for those of you that don't know Fred, Fred's, Fred's 85 years old and he's on oxygen. I'm sorry I had to tell that, Fred, but but you hang in there with that, brother. <laughs> so <laughs> I wish you well, my brother. Yeah. Hope so, to see you when you come back. Hope you can make it back. <laughs> so the so the answer that so the answer to that question, I think it's going to depend on how things shake out and what you know, let's say he does uh, uh, take over uh, Ukraine. If he seems that now he wants to continue to push forward into other areas, then there's a reason for concern. But if his concerns, if his concern, I mean, you know, if his behavior settles and he doesn't seem to be amassing additional army, right. why would we think that it's it's not over? Let's let's keep in mind his original request. His original request was that um, the Ukraine not be accepted into NATO, right? And that the United that NATO does not put weaponry within easy striking distance of Russia, right? So, yeah. So it's easy to see, or it, it is possible to see that this action in Ukraine was to support his original requests, which were going ignored, which he felt was going ignored. So we were putting, or he felt threatened by us potentially putting weapons too close to his territory. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And that, that, that was an issue way back when Ronald Reagan decided he wanted to put uh, um, a Star Wars satellite into space to shoot down missiles. Uh-huh. That was, uh, uh, there was another issue that you wanted to to raise that, that I wanted to cover. And I had it written down, but all right. So I'll, I'll eventually get to it if I can get through all of these. Cause this was a, uh, um, this is a very interesting topic for me mm-hmm. because um, I just I just felt like we were doing what we did 
with Iraq. We were pushing for war, pushing for war, pushing for war, and we wind up with boots on the ground. And I, I see that in the press. Um, I, you know, there was a, so I read an article. Uh, the, the title was, Jin Psaki takes exception when reporters suggest U.S. plan for Ukraine is to just watch this get worse. And, and I looked at that and I thought, you know, there's ways to um, phrase that question or to, to write that headline so that it doesn't have a lot of emotion into it. You know, I see a lot of emotion into this and a lot of, you know, fearing, fear mongering in the headline. I, I, I get that, you know, I see that and maybe others don't, but I, that's, I see that. Yeah, that's typical of the press, though. That's the way they like to play it, you know? Emotion, fear, you know, get people riled up. Right. And so I've, I've put, you know, several of the articles that I uh, used for my research into the show notes. So, you know, make sure you look those up and you can see where I got my information. Um one of them was Watson's Institute of et cetera, et cetera. In <laughs> uh, writing my, all of my notes, man, I, there was so much information. But anyway, in this article, uh, and I was going to go through, let me, let me read it. One of the things that I found during my research is that I'm more and more frustrated with how we're allowing, uh, we're allowing social media platforms to control information. So I found a couple of clips, and there was a clip associated with this particular article, okay. and I, and I wanted to use that clip so that I could point out certain things because there's things in people's voices, there's inflections in people's voices that are just as important in communicating as the words themselves. And because we do have um, fair use, there are, this, uh, this would have been a very good fair use situation. But so many times when I've used a clip for fair use, the platform has uh, blanked out the audio. They did that with, um, they did that with uh, Joe Rogan. I played a clip. They blanked out the audio, mm -hmm. and th and that was another fair use um, situation. But I have already, you know, put the show together. I've already done that. I've said this is fair use, and then they blank it out because they've taken a. They've taken it upon themselves and they've been given permission by some politicians that they're going to hold the platform accountable if somebody doesn't like the, the way a clip was used. And that's another story which I'm not going to get into. But okay. I'm going to read a little bit of this the story that behind this article. Miss um, O'Donnell is the... Um, press secretary and Misaki, of course, is the White House uh, press yeah. secretary. All right, so Ms. O'Donnell, can you give us any sense of a timeline or a triggering event that would result in the policy change regarding Russian oil and any decisions that may be forthcoming? Is that imminent? Or is there something that you know is there an event, an outside event, that you're waiting for? Misaki responds. I wouldn't say, Kelly, it's an outside event. I think our continuing concern continues to be, you know, everybody wants to hold Putin, uh, President Putin, and the Russian leadership accountable. Everybody supports the efforts that the press, President Biden has been leading around the world to take put in place crippling financial sanctions, and they have had an enormous impact. 
But what we are also mindful of is not taking steps that have uh, would have the impact of raising energy prices, rising oil prices, raising gas prices for the American public. And we also are mindful of doing things in a way that is unified with our partners around the world. Ms. O'Donnell responds, can you speak to, uh, this is a reporter, can you speak to how the president has steeled himself, hardened himself, if you will, He's made a commitment not to put American troops in a military position in Ukraine. You've outlined all the steps the U.S. and allies are taking, but he's also watching what is happening, as are many Americans who are concerned about the atrocities that are taking place, the loss of life, the civilians that are being affected. Does the U.S. just watch this get worse? Is that what we should be prepared for? And the way that the there's more to the art to the uh -huh. exchange, and I'm just not going to go that far. I just wanted to the way that the questions are framed. It is intended to bring emotional um, responses. It is not intended. I, I guess that, so. I get frustrated at people putting words in other uh, putting. I don't believe, let me re restate that. I don't believe this was intended to bring forth information to help people understand what was going on. I believe it was intended to bring about an emotional reaction to right. support an ideology. I don't have proof that that person intended that to be that way. I. I look at the wording, I say, this is a professional. This is someone that has not done this for, you know, she's done it for a while because I did some research on her. Mm -hmm. um, has done it for a while and understands the power of words and phrasing. So, so as you have mentioned, the um, press in this country is part of the problem of leading us into boots on the ground. Now, the problem here is Miss O'Connell, oh, was it O'Connell or O'Donnell? Miss O'Donnell has no children. Uh -huh. So the bloodshed by American soldiers aren't going to be her children. I see what you're saying there. Well, at the end of the day, the government, military, Congress, they shouldn't be basing their actions upon response from the press either way it goes. I mean, they should do what they determine is the best course of action. And the press can spin it. They can ask questions, but that should not be uh, determining how the government reacts. Well, here's, here's the, here's the thing. People read news stories uh -huh. and they're influenced by the news stories that they read. I'm influenced by the news stories I read. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, the idea here is, is to get enough people to push their public representatives mm -hmm. to join this fight. You see what I'm saying? It, it's not, they're leading it in the press. They're, they're making it the ground more fertile for people to uh, reach out to their congressperson to say, yeah, we want, we want you to go in and stop these atrocities. But, but we don't hold ourselves to the same standard. It, it, when we initiated the action, when we went into Iraq, there wasn't this call to end atrocities. 
When people were dying in Afghanistan, there wasn't this push to end atrocities. There was a push to end the war because we were losing soldiers. When we had soldiers dying, then there was a reason to come out, to stop. There was no reason to stop when we, had, when we were killing kids, when we were blowing up communities. There's over 38 million people displaced in Iraq alone because of the war. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Yeah. But because we weren't feeling the pain, there's no reason to stop the war. All these economic sanctions that are being placed on Putin, the reason they're saying Putin is because they've made Putin the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So anything to hurt the bad guy is good. Right. But an economic sanction hurts Russian mothers. It hurts Russian children. It hurts Russian bus drivers. It hurts Russian taxi drivers. It hurts everybody. But they don't want you to see that. Well, do you think that um, the, the big picture, what what motivates people to react is basically fear of what might happen. For example, Putin takes over Ukraine. Then the next thing you know, he might take over another country or people thinking, well, he's going to try to dominate the world like Hitler was trying to do. You think that's really the big, I think, big I think, I think that has to be, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I no, thought, I, I thought I understood what your question was. Okay. So, I think that is always a concern. But why is it not the same concern when we want to go around the world and plant the seeds of democracy? Well, you know, we're the good guys. Exactly. We're the good guys. But 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 if if we do so if 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 Putin tries to influence another country, it's a bad thing because we don't like it. Exactly. But if we do it, it's a good thing. We've done well. We should turn everybody into a democracy. Everybody should live under the operating, the, the um, um, political system that we're under because it's such a good system. Right. Even if the other countries have what we call fair free elections, if we don't get the results we like, you know, then we go, then we'll, we'll go in and we'll do regime, regime change stuff. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to uh, pick on the United States. I am trying to say that we should be consistent and fair. If you're gonna, if if Putin is a if Putin is a monster, if if he's, you know, if he's a true monster, it will be evident. You don't have to make the case; it will be evident. Okay. What we do is selectively select what we want to say about somebody and turn them into a monster, and people just aren't that simplistic. People just aren't that simplistic, but they've turned him into a one-dimensional character. He's just evil, horrible, and means the world no good. I'm not, I, you know I love democracy. I think it's awesome. But why should I force somebody to take democracy who doesn't want democracy? I get it. There's a concern that if dictators grow up around the world, then the United States is going to be uh, inundated with having to deal with dictators. But there has to be some better way. If we, if democracy is so good, why would someone choose a dictatorship? That is a good question. 
you know, we, uh, there's no perfect uh, governmental structure. Democracy has advantages. I think it has some disadvantages. We all look at them every day, you know, the huge wealth gap we have in this country, you know, the poverty we have right in front of our faces while we have 1% hoarding almost all of the wealth. But yet and still, this is the best system. So we say, um, having not lived in those, some of those other countries with different systems, I can't say it's better or worse. We can look at how the media will spin it and we know how much bias is in the media. Can you can't trust everything the media says. If you go over to another country, it might be totally different from what you heard. You heard people say this, people say that, but until you go there and experience it, you don't really know exactly, you know, what that flavor really is. I, I, so I agree with you. There are some societies that are not ready for a democracy. Mm -hmm. They're just not ready. And somebody will say, well, you're wrong. Everybody's ready for a democracy. I think that some societies need more physical structure. And if they need more physical structure, they will eventually get to a democracy. They can eventually. And I understand if a dictator gets in there, they're not gonna, um, they're not gonna wanna give up power and they're gonna, you know, do that kind of stuff. But um, that goes on here in a democracy, the Republicans yep. are actively trying to keep people from voting, which is the process by which we choose how our democracy functions. Well, yeah, uh, that's a whole nother story, but we know what's happening. Uh, we have two parties and one party is not satisfied with results. And so they're going way out of their way to gain p power and evoke the way they wanted life to be. But isn't that what a dictator does? Yeah, pretty much. Only, only a dictator will have the, his military come in and like Putin's doing. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not all dictator. It's not all military. Dictators, not all, you know, once, once you're in power, then, then the military becomes a tool, but getting to the power doesn't always require a military. That's true. But let's take a look at what's our world like. So who is the party that is willing to give all of the money to the military and none of the money to social programs? Which one is that? The one that's trying to get power. Let me let me let me put it that way. Let me give you another hint. Okay. Without saying who it is. Well, you know, like I said, we have conflicts and then I think we have what I, I like to call them culture wars. The parties are divided. I look I look at I look at them as a form of culture, lifestyle, the way they want to live and the way they see things, you know, um, to a certain extent, you can almost say one party likes the lifestyle and the culture from maybe the last couple of centuries. And now we're at a point where things have changed and we've have evolved, but you got a lot of people that are fighting that change. They want to go back to the old ways, you know, where maybe women couldn't vote, where maybe, you know, you could get stoned to death if you were gay, you know, can't read certain books, you know, we don't want that literature out there. Well, I thought we were an educated society where people could read what they want to read, but why do we want to go back to that? Or why do they want to go back to that? 
Fair enough. They I want the culture to be different. Okay. I, 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 I am not against people pushing back against ideas. But I think it's, I think you have to, uh, so the idea of applying things fairly is if I make it okay for myself, then I'm making it okay for other people. Mm -hmm. So I can't deny the opportunity to pick a Supreme Court justice and then in the exact same situation, make sure that I have the, uh, the ability to pick a Supreme Court nomination in the same situation that I denied from someone else. Yeah, well. That level of fairness says that I'm willing to give something to be a part of the society and everybody else should be willing to give something. And that we, that we at least operate from a supposedly legal, uh, a supposedly equal footing to have our voices heard. If I put roadblocks, if I put things into motion that will cause people to lose the opportunity to participate, then I've acted against the benefits of our society. So our society is based on the idea of one person, one vote. Yeah, it's written that way, but it hasn't always been carried out that way. I and agree. That's the problem. You know, I agree. We're talking about people wanting to go back to where things were not followed through as they were written. You know, I understand. We have a history of um, not keeping up. I can say we, I have to say we, because I'm an American and I accept whatever America is and has be, you know, what has been, you know, if you, if you wind up on American soil, let's say you came last week, and you strive to be an American, you are responsible for the American history that goes with it. That's what being an American is. You don't get to pick and choose which parts of America you want to be from or to be identified with. You're identified with it all as an American. Okay. So the United States has a history of not following through on some commitments. Mm -hmm. Native Americans were given land. They were pushed into a small part of the land that they initially owned. And they were told, this is, you can have this, this is your land, we won't touch it. That was until they decided they needed an XL pipeline. And all that changed. All that, that changed. Yeah. If I need it, I'll, I'll live with that promise until I decide not to live with that promise. Well, what happened to your bond being your, your word being your bond? I don't think we see things like that now society i think does. it was an aspiration mm -hmm. because you know if you there was there was a time when people believed that but there were always people who were willing to use that to their advantage and had no intention of their word being their bond mm. Because that means doing, making a sacrifice, making a, a sacrifice on yourself that if I want to do something and I gave my word that I would not, that I would stick with my word rather than doing what I want. 
And so it would be great if that was, if that was how we operated, if that was how most people operated, if, if politicians operated on that premise, but, but people don't give their word anymore. Well, sometimes they do, you know, and then they go against their word. They don't do what they said they were going to do, or they do the opposite. And so the question becomes then, how do you respond? Let's say Putin says, I'm going to take Ukraine, but I'm not going to go to the next, cross the next border. Then five or six years down the line, he decides he wants to do it. Well, I think there are are other factors in there. If he says, I'm not going across that border, did he mean now or did he mean ever? So I I understand that there are sometimes, um, so communication is hard. Mm-hmm. I've said this before, and, and I'll continue to say it. Communication is very, very hard. So yesterday I talked about, I'll type something up. I'm going to make a post. I'll type it up, and I'll think it through and try to make sure that what I'm saying is exactly what I'm saying. And then I'll hit send, and I go, oops, I can see that this can be taken differently. So there's a difficulty in in language so intent then becomes part of defining if someone has given their word so if his intent was he says i'm not going to cross that line and his intent was he meant never Mm -hmm. and then he goes across that line then yes he's violated his word but sometimes you don't you don't know what his intent was. And sometimes people make their intent very clear. Well, Putin did something um, right before the the invasion that made it clear he did not trust the West as far as their word, because he said, I want something in writing. So Mm -hmm. apparently we had done something that uh, he felt was against that word or whoever made the promise. Mm-hmm. I think it had, what did it have to do with, uh, was it the NATO situation or was it uh, something about some arms or something? Can't quite remember. Okay. But he, he, he said that I want this in writing. I- so I don't know if he got it in writing, because that didn't stop him from the invasion. So it's not really that clear if it, it was that serious. I understand. I, I he invaded anyway, so I don't know. Well, he did. He did. I, my guess is he did what he felt he had to do. Right. I'm not, I, I don't know if he's a monster. I, I have enough concerns with some of the, news that's handed to me as news that it is not as unbiased as I would like to be, to be fully on board with some of that, the things that were published. Right. I'm not saying he's not a monster. I don't know one side or the other, but I'm looking at the situation where all of the countries around him are jumping into NATO and he's saying, this is a military threat to me. Mm-hmm. And our response is, big deal. We think those countries should be able to be um, democratic if they want to and join NATO. And your fear is not our concern. And when you separate yourself from someone, and you don't show any kind of um, desire to include them so that you can have an understanding. Russia was kicked out of the G8. 
So the United States, you know, came up with these uh, uh, reasons for kicking Russia out of the G8. Didn't let them back in. You can't have a conversation with somebody that you won't talk to. Now, was this um, under Trump or before Trump? This was before Trump. So Obama? I don't remember. Was it even before Obama? No, I, I think it was. Hold on. You, look it up. Uh, see, when was uh, um, Russia re, uh, kicked out of the G8? Sure. So anyway, I'll uh, do some filler. So Russia was kicked out of the G8. So now you don't have a conversation. If you don't have a conversation, then that makes diplomatic relations much, much, much harder. Because diplomacy is majority about communication, about uh, text and voice uh, communication and standing before somebody and communicating your thoughts and ideas. And that's how the, some of the best ways that communication is um, provided. So when you don't communicate with someone, then you're not going to trust them. And if, if every time I talk to you, you call me a dictator and uh, an, uh, an unhuman human being and a beast and an animal under what reason and logic would I then want to continue to have a conversation with you? You've already defined me as somebody that's detestable. And so you're not going to understand my points. You're not going to understand what my concerns, you know, Mm -hmm. So, so even further back, you know, at one time, Russia and the United States were allies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We were on the G8 situation. It appears that the, they were suspended back in 2014. That was under Bush. Yeah, and uh, I think it had something to do with the annexation of Crimea. That was that was it was the annexation of Crimea. Mm -hmm. I remember now. Okay, all right, yeah. right. So, so you cut off diplomatic ties. You cut off the the pipeline for conversation and solving things without military might. How are you going to understand somebody you're not talking to? Yeah. So they, they said, Obama security advisor said there was no need for the G7 to engage with Russia while Moscow continued to violate international law. So they were pushing, punishing them, basically. So that punishment, so you can draw, you can draw a straight line mm -hmm. from that to where we are. It's not a zagged, zigzaggy line. It's a straight line. <laughs> yeah. So would you say they overreacted? I don't. Okay. So, so we're provided only a certain um, amount of information. Right. Based on the information that I have, there was more than one way to solve that problem. The Crimea situation. The Crimea situation and their concerns about Russia and Crimea. There was multiple ways to handle that. In our society, we've never met a war we didn't like. Right, right, right. Yep, so, you happen to have that map handy again so we could see yeah, where on. Crimea Absolutely. fits into that situation. So Crimea, would that be up here in the little red right there? Hmm. You mean? Uh, oh no, no. Crimea is down here. Crimea is down here at the bottom in in the southern. That's what it was. Yeah. I. 
Is it listed? Because I can't read it. No, it's not. It's not. Well, it's part of Russia now. So right. it's not Crimea. So, but it, it's, it's not Crimea anymore. Yeah, it's down here. Oh. But I, if I remember right, it was down here. You'd have to, oh. you'd have to look. So for for other people that didn't see the map earlier, all of that blue is NATO. All of that blue is NATO, and that's American influence. And now then then Ukraine wanted to become blue. Um, and and you know there, that would have been another uh, NATO ally, um, bordering on Russia. So what's to keep um, Belarus? What's to keep Belarus from becoming NATO? Because they'd be surrounded by NATO on three sides and Russia on another side. Yeah. And I don't know what, what the uh, political leanings of uh, the governmental leanings of um, Belarus is, but you know, then you're going to be forced to take a side. You're going to be forced to pick one or the other. And if you pick wrong, it's going to hurt you. Um, did you see where Crimea was so that I can? No, I, I didn't look. Pick, for, pick but, a map uh, with Crimea. Because if, if, if I go to a search, it's going to blank your picture out. Okay, I can look for it. Yeah, I mean, I could do it. Hold on, I'll do it. I was looking at Belarus because they're listed as non-aligned. So yeah, did, Belarus is not aligned. Did uh, Russia? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's Crimea to the south of Russia. Okay. Yeah, that's Crimea to the south of Russia. Right above the little warship. Uh, let me get back to the map. Oh, that's on the other map. Yeah. Oh, very good. So, um. So Belarus, uh, that map is a little different than the one I just saw. So just where that warship is, continue, hold on, continue to the east of that. And Belarus is that little island type area towards the bottom. Let me go back to that map. Ah, it's not on that map that I'm showing, but it's just to the south of that. So it's not included on that map that I'm showing. So you see that, that little yellow area there at the bottom of Russia? Tip, yeah, the tip of, oh, you're not you're talking about so, uh there's a little, little looks like a little military man there yeah uh-huh um right in the corner lower right hand corner mm -hmm. so um crimea should be right in there somewhere i don't know if that yellow area is it or not but anyway I have learned a little bit of uh, geography, having to uh, do this thing with uh, um, the Ukraine situation. But um, you know, if you don't if you don't have a need for that, um, there's a tendency not to uh, commit it to memory. Which you know, I've had some difficulty with people um, knocking average everyday citizens for not having a you know, stayed geographical memory of, you know, uh, memory of all the geography, the graphics of Europe or geography of Europe and that kind of stuff, knowing which company is country is where and, yeah. you know, what political system they follow, that kind of stuff. I don't think you get all, all of that in elementary school. Now, if you went to college, you might. Well, even if you got it in college, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Several, several, several years out of college. Right. That was years ago. And that was, and so I'm, I'm not going to retain all of that. It's just, it's just not going to happen. I mean, there's, there's no reason to continue to keep that fresh in my memory. 
Um, but now I can, you know, with the, the aid of uh, maps and online, I can find out about a region in a heartbeat and be, uh, and be brought up to date and make some sense out of it. Right. And so I have. As you can see, I found my little map here with uh, NATO allies in Europe. Uh, and, and so, but anyway, I, I just, I don't like the idea that we can't have critical discussion about the Ukraine situation without it be without devolving into some kind of emotional bet. You're going right. to beat, beat people right. across the head with it because, because they're not accepting your version or they're asking questions so that they can better understand the situation so that they can be fairer. Again, I don't know if he, if, if Putin is a, um, a beast or, um, if he's unthinking and, and, you know, uh, dictating tyrant and that kind of stuff, you know, what I have seen, I've seen several clips. I've, you know, he's he's talked with several presidents and he seems to be an amenable, amenable person. You know, you can obviously talk to him and and he doesn't like threaten you to he's going to, you know, blow you up. I'm sure he's you know, there are some qualities of him that's a human. And, and I've seen some of that. So, yeah, I mean, and, and the man was part of the KGB. So, you know, he's part of he's ex-military. <laughs> He, right. he 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 intended intending to be soft. <laughs> no, that's no, not his I mean, job. You've had presidents that were CIA directors, so right. that's nothing unusual at all. When you, when you look at it, who was the president they, that was a CIA director? Bush, OG Bush. Oh, okay. he was head of CIA, I believe. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, we a lot of those CIA guys end up in the government higher political positions. Right, and you and and the and the and we don't expect them to go around being huggy kissy. No, that's that's not how you survive. Yeah, Bush was CIA. All righty, my brother. Uh, any last comments? Uh to be continued. Uh, I don't think we're anywhere near a uh, resolution with what's going. You know, with mm -hmm. the situation. Uh. The, the only question I had was if we don't get involved, what happens to what happens to the country? Does Russia just annex it and it becomes part of Russia? And how long do we keep the sanctions going? When do we ex acknowledge it and let it go back to normal? Or on the other in the in the other end, do we end up getting drug into it? Do they end up NATO sending troops at a certain point? I, we I have Afghanistan. I have I I have a couple of last comments. Um, one is, um, I would like to see for the United States to be more uh, consistent in its application of the ideals uh, such as not being involved in uh, getting involved in sovereign governments. Right. Um, uh, the United States has absolutely zero uh, issues with invading a sovereign country, but they will swear up and down that it's the most horrible thing that any other country can do. Um, and then um, we cannot forget that globalism is more about companies and economy than it is about people and sharing uh, those kinds of things. We're, we're doing, those sanctions are gonna hurt everyday Russians. It's gonna hurt mom and pop stores. It's going to hurt whatever businesses you got a bunch of American companies 
talking about we're not going to do business over there, which means it's going to hurt even more because we've always pushed for American companies to get involved into other countries. And when they get there and then we're going to yank them uh, if you don't do what we want you to do. So American companies then become tools of war. And, and I'm concerned about how we apply our tools because for like, if, 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 if our economy has the inflation that is anticipated in Russia, I'm going to have, I, you know, if that happened here in the United States, I would have difficulty getting something to eat, getting, you know, going places that I need to go, uh, stores being open and being accessible. And I'm not an enemy combatant. And so I, my concern is if you taking military action, it should be against military targets and sanctions aren't about military targets. They're about, uh, uh, civilian targets. That is true. That is true. All right, my brother, we will be back next Friday. Make sure you join us in. All righty. That concludes this episode of altitude adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, the lion's den forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of altitude adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including stitcher.com, the iTunes store, and the Google play music store to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares and comments so please like share and comment on this and other episodes of altitude adjustment because it matters and as always look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you